Hi there, podcast. Alicia Marinelli here. This week, the Living Sport Podcast travels to sunny Los Angeles, California, and recorded this podcast at historic Dodger Stadium. This stadium has such a rich history that places it among the truly great venues in sports history, and now it adds to its accolades of hosting the Living Sport Podcast. As this week represents the time of year where Americans and even other countries around the world give thanks, we too at Living Sport are very thankful and decide to coin this as our inaugural Living Sports Giving episode. It has a nice ring to it, right? During our Living Sports Giving episode, we brought together program alum from the Los Angeles area to join the podcast and share stories of their sport journey and how they're learning as young professionals. We have a lot of ground to cover, talking with guests including Marcus Slain, an inside sales representative for the LA Dodgers, Kenny Maley, sales and experience manager of the new XFL football team, the LA Wildcats, Anna Adler, operations coordinator at Zog Sports Los Angeles, and Tina Schurmeister, manager of Imbue Winter Guard. Why wait any longer? Let's jump in to part one of our Living Sports Giving episode, recording live at Dodger Stadium. All right, so here we are in Dodger Stadium, the historic Dodger Stadium. We just took a tour. I'm here with four Living Sport alumni that are all in the LA area now. So this is a nice little network for you guys if we want to go around the table and introduce yourself and where you're coming from. Okay, um, I'm Marcus from um, London 2018. I work here with the Los Angeles Dodgers and Inside Sales, and I'm originally from Northern California. I'm Anna, I was on the Glasgow 19 trip. I currently work as operations coordinator for Zog Sports, and I'm originally from a little further north, so Fresno, California. My name's Tina, I was on the same trip as Marcus, London 2018. I currently am the manager of Imbue Wintergard out of Modesto, California, and I am from Simi Valley, California. I'm Kenny. Uh, I'm from Dublin, uh, 2018. I currently am um, a ticket sales experience manager there for the XFL LA Wildcats, and I'm originally from Old Bridge, New Jersey. All right, so what we're going to do now is really tell the listeners what you guys have been up to post-trip. You guys are doing some amazing things. And what we like to do on the podcast is really tell them what options are out there, your journey and how you got to where you are. So we're here to help people in our network and just anybody who wants to get a job in sports. Okay, so next on deck is Marcus Lane. Marcus, you, thank you for setting everything up. It's really great when you have a network of people, right? I was coming to LA, of course, for the holiday. My brother lives out here. And I thought it would be really cool because we don't get the opportunity to come out to the West Coast a lot to get some alumni together. And you, you knew what was happening. You're like, hey, I work at Dodger Stadium for the Dodgers. Why don't we do something there? Why don't I give the alumni a tour? And you did that. So thank you so much for making this all happen. And now we're sitting in Dodger Stadium. You're here every day. But we are recording a podcast, so this is just as much of a life experience for me than it would be for everybody else. Yeah, perfect, Marcus. Thank you so much. You are somebody that is full of personality and really good at developing relationships. Like part of that is because of what I just said, is that I told you, hey, I'm coming out to L.A., and you're like, hey, I could do this for you. Well, I'm going to do it, and you really make an impact on people, and that's what I'm really thankful for. But even before 
I give you a chance to say hello to listeners. I'm going to tell them a story about how you first made an impression on me back in 2018 when we were traveling to London. So prior to the trip, during the interview sessions and then the enrollment process, somehow I found out that you're an Eagles fan right Mm -hmm. and for those of you listening at home if you don't know I'm from Pennsylvania I follow the Pennsylvania on the East Coast sports teams the Philadelphia sports teams and yes I am an Eagles fan so we got talking about it prior to going on the trip and you show up on the trip and what does Marcus do he brings his Eagles hat right but I knew I knew just from talking to him yes he was supporting his favorite team but you made the move because you knew we had that in common. And I thought it was genius on your part because it did. It struck up conversation right away. We instantly made that connection, us both being Eagles fans, and our relationship that we were developing just started off really strong. And I believe that was a strategic move on your part, right? It definitely was, yes. (laughs) Yeah, so those things that you could do, finding a similar connection, whether that be a sports team or where somebody grew up or went to college, those things are important to find and not only find, but do things like you did, just wearing that Eagles cap when I first met you. Yeah. Yeah. So kudos to you there. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. I'm all about learning lessons. So tell us where you're from, where you went to school. Yeah. So I'm from Redding, California, pretty small town, a couple hours north of Sacramento. A lot of people know it because of the wildfires that were there last year, where all the wildfires were in Northern California. Then I went to school in Washington State University. My two best friends from high school also studied sports at Washington State. We all went up there together. Ryan Dean, another alumni from Living Sport. Shout out to um, all the Cougs out there. But all of us went up there to study sports. Just kind of fell in love with it as a kid. Realized throughout high school you can actually major in sports. So that definitely got me going pursued my career in that. Okay, so you love sports and you you found it that it was a major, but really digging into sports, why do you love it so much? Why do I love sports so much? I think it does go back to when I was a kid, just being able to see dreams come true when you're making you know connections with people or um, like I do here, I sell tickets for season memberships with the Dodgers, just being able to make dreams come true for kids, for families, people that have wanted to do this for a long time. Um, I think sports is a great outlet for people to just let go, let loose, have fun. I think just making dreams come true like that for kids, for parents, for families, that's what made me fall in love with sports. And you're now doing it every day. You get to wake up, come to work, come to Dodger Stadium, that's incredible, and do it. Yeah, at a a big level, yeah, it's fun. On behalf of all the Philadelphians out there, how does a California kid become an Eagles fan? Yeah, my dad's from Philadelphia. He lived there for 10 or 15 years when he was growing up in his teens. So that's his formative years for getting into sports. Um, So, you know, being here in California, he's been here for 25 years now, but he's always kept that Philly pride with him. So obviously just growing up watching games with him. My early love started when we watched Phillies games together in like 2007. That's when I really got into Phillies. And then obviously the next year they win win the World Series in 2008, which was a lot of fun. Ever since then, just kind of early on in my sports fandom, having a championship for my favorite team kind of hooked me and always wanted to follow sports after that. Uh, Started getting into the Eagles, the 76ers, the Flyers, and the Union. So definitely started following all those just because of my dad. 
Do you ever see them out here? Do you go to their games? I do, yeah. Actually, the last time I made it out, it's a funny story, during our interview with the Dodgers, they gave us free tickets to that game that night, and they were happened to be playing the Phillies the first time that they came into Dodger Stadium here. Um, so I got to see a Phillies game for free. I stayed until about 10 p.m. and then had to drive all the way eight hours home afterwards. Um, people thought I was crazy, but it's not every day you get to see your favorite team on the West Coast out here. So Absolutely. And I told you while we were touring that I was here visiting. And like we all do, we're all travelers in this room. When I go somewhere, I like to see sports stadiums. And sometimes I go and get tours of them. I was here last year or two years ago, and I took my mom and brother to a Dodgers game because I've never been here before. And it happened to be Chase Utley started that game. At that time, he wasn't the starting second baseman for the Dodgers, but he just filled in, and I happened to be at that game. So my favorite player in Philly's history was then a Dodger, right? But he played that day. That's awesome. Yeah, all right. So tell us about your background where you've been, what, what you've done before the Dodgers. So I first started getting into sports when I was in high school. started umpiring for some little leagues in my hometown. That was a lot of fun. really loved baseball. Obviously, that's why I'm here. Then I started getting more involved in college. And the cool thing about Washington State's sport management program is they actually force their students to do a little bit of volunteering hours for the sports on campus. About 180 hours before you're graduated in terms of credits for your hours. So um, I did a lot of event management staff, some marketing staff, and then in my last year I was able to do event management again, but I had a little bit more of a specialized leadership role. So twice, uh, two stints as event management there. And then I also did a little bit of creative work, social media with the athletic department at Washington State with the uh, SIDs is what they call them, like athletic communications. So being able to kind of live tweet games and post highlights on Twitter, which was really fun for our men's basketball program. Doing a lot of office work in terms of stats and stuff, which is something I really love, stats. So that was really cool. So I've definitely always kind of wanted to be in the backbone of an organization, doing statistics, doing sales, doing whatever that looks like. So I definitely made that my goal. And then I had one other internship. My senior year of college, they also forced us the last semester as an internship. I like that word. Forced. Forced us. <laughs> forced us to have great experiences. Right? Yeah, they, they forced me to better myself. <laughs> yeah, which is very fortunate. So I did my internship in Florida, setting up golf tournaments for kids. And that's when I first got introduced to sales. Um, so we were putting on golf tournaments for kids in Florida on the weekends. And then twice a week, we would come into the office. We would be calling kids, trying to get them to sign up for tours. So that's when I first got involved in sales, and that experience really helped me on the phones jump in and have a really easy transition here, especially when it got to the interview time when they put us on the phones. Um, I was very comfortable being on the phones already, so that was an easy transition for me. And that was Hurricane Junior Golf Tour? Correct, yes. And you stayed in Florida? Yeah, so I was in Florida for three or four months. cool thing about the internship, they give you free housing. So we were able to stay in a condo in Orlando, which was really fun, really close to Disney World. Um, a lot of nice golf courses around. Big fan of golf, I'm a huge golfer. And then every weekend we would travel either to like Miami or Tampa, or we'd stay local and we'd be putting on golf tournaments. So it's definitely a very fortunate time. We'd have housing paid for, um, hotels paid for, some food uh, paid for it sometimes, and then obviously free golf, which is a big perk. <laughs> All right, so currently you are with the LA Dodgers in sales. We also have Kenny Maley here, who we didn't hear from yet, but you were a part of the Dublin 2018 crew, and you spent some time doing sales here as well. So I'm gonna have Marcus, you start off by explaining your role, and Kenny, if you have anything to add that you think the listeners should know about or should hear or would like to learn about sales, please. 
jump on in. Will do. Awesome. So yeah, inside sales, a little bit of a hybrid position, entry position, obviously, between all of the different type of level of sales that you can do. So there's group sales, there's premium sales, there's new business types of sales, which is only focused on generating new business. And then there's obviously the membership service team. So those are four different categories of sales teams that most organizations have. The cool thing about inside sales is they open it up for you to be able to do everything. So we are able to sell groups, premium seating, we kind of do a little bit of service. We don't really take care of renewals at all, but then we mostly focus on new business. So it's kind of a really fun way to get your feet wet doing a lot of different things in sales. So we'll have different campaigns at different times. We just kind of kicked up a group campaign trying to get people to renew for groups in 2020. Right now we're obviously still selling 2020 season memberships down here too. Um, so it's definitely a really cool role to be able to sell everything that you know everybody else can sell. And again, it is a six to 12 month position. So at about six months, they want you to kind of figure out what you want your next step to be, um, whether that's trying to be promoted here or maybe going to another sales staff somewhere else, such as Kenny did. They definitely kind of want to get you in and out because they do bring in new sales staff pretty regularly. So it is definitely competitive trying to fight for a promotion, fight to go somewhere else, but it's a lot of fun, um, very competitive. So different things to sell, you're talking about it. When we were on tour, you made a premium seating sale, mm -hmm. right? And so those are the seats right behind home plate. Yes. Yeah, so that's a big sale. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, definitely a big sale. Yeah. yeah. So I think we gave a, a high five when you told me that. Yeah. Yes, good. So what else? Group sales you mentioned. A group has to be how many or more? 15 or more. 15 or more. Yeah, so that's what categorizes as a group. But we will offer you the lowest prices, and then obviously we have a lot of like fan experience packages and stuff like that that we can bring in. Group photos on the field, um, Little League Day, if you want to be a part of that, parading around the, the stadium as Little League, stuff like that. Potential to throw out the first pitch is also something we offer for groups. The color guard as well is something that we work with, having Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts out here doing color guard. So a lot of different ways to get groups kind of down here and involved in Dodgers baseball. Amazing. And when we were on tour, you were telling us a little bit about sales, how they do track, right? So tell us a little bit about how having a position where you do have to make X amount of outbound calls and you do have to perform. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's definitely something you need to, some characteristics you need to have are, it's definitely a lot of fun being able to make a lot of outbound calls, but one thing that you're gonna to need to have is you're gonna to need to be motivated intrinsically um, rather than trying to fight with somebody else being competitive, looking at somebody else's numbers. You need to wanna to compete with yourself because that's what's gonna make you better and wanna call every single day. Like if I made 90 calls yesterday, 90 calls is our goal per day. Uh, so if I made 90 calls yesterday, great, let's set myself up and let's do 95 today or 100 today, something like that. Just kind of always, it's really hard to stay motivated in the office sometimes when, especially when the team lost, like I started um, a couple weeks later, we got knocked out in the first round after franchise record wins, 106 wins. So morale was a little bit low, but that's when it's uh, time to grind even harder and really be motivated to make those calls. Amazing, and we talked earlier about this, but every call, every one of those 90, 95, 100 calls, hearing no is a part of it. Hearing no a lot, especially at the inside sales position you are trying to shuffle through the nose to get to the yeses, so you definitely relate to that. Yeah, 100%. I remember an interesting video involving rejection in our onboarding, the two weeks of training that we had here. Um, our boss showed us a video of a guy who was going into sales. Kenny, you're shaking your head, you probably remember this one, yeah. Who is a guy that was getting into sales and was really scared of rejection. Um, so what he did is he went to places around town, random restaurants, places like this, and went around asking for outlandish things that he could do, and people would tell him no. And so he was really just getting 
used to hearing no. I remember one that stuck out was he went to Starbucks and he asked, hey, can I be a Starbucks greeter? And they looked at him like, like what? And he asked them, is that a weird question? And they said, yeah. But then they started talking about it and they actually let him do it. So not being afraid to just say, you know, someone tells you no, say, oh, is that a weird question? Dig deeper and you can understand, you know, why they think it's weird. And ultimately he got a yes out of it. So. Or in sales, you're trying to find out what motivates the person on the other on the other side. So the more conversation you have with them, the better you get to know them and how they could fit into really holding seats for here, whether it's for one night or season tickets, mm-hmm. et cetera. Exactly, yeah. Another part of kind of making those calls, like you said, the 90 of the day, everything, all those no's lead to a yes. It's really just about mastering the process of going through your leads. So going through, there's a process you have to go through of like no contacts and then you go to like product pitches, um, two-way conversations. Those are all kind of sales terms in terms of the people that you have in your pipeline essentially to possibly get sales from. So kind of mastering that process is really the easiest way to kind of get your feet wet, kind of get into a groove is to master the process of going through your leads, kind of closing people, not, not being afraid to close people and say, you know, you're not a fit here. If people are either rude to you over the phone or they definitely express that they don't want this, it's okay to close them and move on. That's definitely something that young salespeople struggle with, is if you don't hear- Don't try to sell the unsellable. Exactly, yes. yeah, control the controllables is what we say here. Like if someone's really giving you a hard time over the phone, it's okay to just close them and not worry about it. But mastering the process is definitely something that will help a young salesman. So how do you master the process? Is it just by doing it over and over? Yeah, just by doing it over and over. It's also great to shadow people. So I remember the first couple of weeks we were on the phone. The, on the phones, we had the opportunity to shadow some of the account executives down here. Every once in a while, they take a half an hour out of your day, go down to the sales floor and just kind of check out their process and see what kind of questions they ask that are better than your questions or how they build relationships with people over the phone that maybe you can help, um, you can learn from that type of thing. So definitely shadowing people is definitely a great way to kind of master your process and get in the groove of understanding what to ask on the phone and how to build that conversation around Dodgers baseball. You know what, I like that and I think that helped me in my part of my young career is really listening to what your supervisor says or your boss and how they answer some of the tough questions and it just by hearing it over and over again somehow it sticks with you and then you're per- you're then prepared for when you get that first person that may ask a question that may be out of right field or mm-hmm. no pun intended but <laughs> right so yeah I, I really agree with shadowing people and once you're learning something go to people that know how to do it and watch what they do ask them questions because they were you once and they knew what it was like to get comfortable in that sales role so you have done multiple roles in the sports world even outside of ticket sales. So what made you want to, you were in operations side, and you said you were doing some sales with the Hurricane Golf Tour, but what made you want to take this opportunity with the Dodgers? What made me want to take this opportunity, um, I always thought throughout college, sales would be something that would probably be my first job. So kind of keeping that avenue open, it's a little bit easier, I would say, to maybe start in sales if you do want to work in the big four. Kind of working your way up, sales is a really great way to get your foot in the door. but. In terms of the difference between operations, I definitely really like the opportunity to build connections with people and build relationships. Obviously, event planning is really fun, but having clients being able to talk to people all day long and bringing people down here to Dodger Stadium and building relationships, that's really something that was a strong suit of mine. I minded communications at Washington State. So definitely talking with people on the phone, having conversations is something I really love. So that's what really pushed me towards sales as opposed to the operations side. 
Now, being in sales now for the last three months, what have you learned in the three months that make you a better professional? What I've learned in sales has made me a better professional over the last three months is definitely being able to control the controllables I kind of talked about earlier. But all you can do is work with what you have, essentially. Being able to maximize, essentially, what you do have. And uh, I think that's definitely very important is controlling those controllables. Patience. Yeah, Kenny just said patience is another big one. Being patient with people, sometimes they'll be in your takes a long time for someone to get back to you or you've reached out to somebody who said they were wanting to buy and you haven't reached out to them in a week you just keep going to voicemail being patient with those types of people um, you understand that things always happen sometimes your mom goes to the hospital and you need to deal with those types of things so being patient with people is definitely another one that I've learned here and it definitely has helped me in my professional career what in your training how many times does it take to outreach to get that yes there's a step behind it yeah, so we have a couple, um, what we call them touch points, so that's when you reach out to people, leave a voicemail, an email. Um, essentially for groups, it's really funny that a lot of the time they pick up almost on the first ring, as opposed to some of the individual ones. It takes a while for them to actually pick up. Again, a lot of people don't like to answer the phone when they don't see a number that they recognize. That's the really hard thing about sales nowadays. But definitely groups is definitely a little bit different because they always do answer the phone, essentially. Uh, but it does take a while, like you said sometimes, to finally get in contact with somebody. Here's what I'll say about sales. It is a great position. It has the highest percentage of jobs in sports, right? If you are okay with doing sales and you want to work in sports, if you're a hard worker, I'm sure you will be successful in finding a career in sports. That is if you're a hard worker, right? But what I try to tell young professionals is I'd rather be selling the sport experience, right, than doing anything else in the world. So some people, why I say that is some people, young people discredit sales too early mm -hmm. because of what they heard about it. But here you are speaking how you're growing professionally and you're learning a lot to better yourself. I like people to have that sales experience because you don't know if it's for you until you try it. And, and then you get to take everything from here and put it towards your career. Funny you should say that. My mom, when I got this job, both my parents were a little iffy on me moving down to Southern California and taking a sales role. To be blunt, they just told me, I don't know if you'll be very good at it. I told my mom, well, I think I could be good at it, just my relationship building skills here. And I definitely rub it in her face now that I love it every single day. That, you know, I'm succeeding and I'm having a lot of fun with it. So. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was trying to get at in my, in my point there was, you're selling baseball. You're in LA, Dodger Stadium, selling baseball. That's most people, a lot of people's dream come true. Yeah. So sometimes when we're having those hard days in the office, we all have to kind of just think about really what we're doing and that a lot of people would like to be in our shoes. Work is going to have its stress moments. Work is going to have your bad days and, and good days. But if you're excited to go into work every day and go to fantastic places like the stadium that's just right here to our left outside, it's, it's a really great feeling. It really is, yeah. Next up, Kenny Maley, an alumni of the Dublin 2018 program. You are currently with the Los Angeles Wildcats, which we'll get into, but something that touched me when we first met each other was that you are, were a guy that knew what you want. You knew you wanted sales, and at that moment in Dublin 2018, we had a mentor, Tim Seidler, who worked for the Philadelphia Union and Bethlehem Steel, and you were in process of getting an interview for the MLS National Sales 
Center. Center, the MLS National Sales Center. And you talked to him and you knew you wanted it and you put your full focus on really getting his opinion and getting his knowledge. And that is what I saw in you, that if you want something, you go out and get it. And I think you played that perfectly. And then you ended up at the National Sales Center mm-hmm. getting that experience. So kudos to you there, Kenny. But tell the listeners at home where you're from, where you went to school. Certainly. So I'm from Old Bridge, New Jersey. I went to school in University of New Haven there in Connecticut uh, to study sports management. Just like Alicia said, sales was something that was really brought to me pretty early in my sports management career at, at University of New Haven. And I always knew that sales was a way to make a name for yourself, be able to separate yourself from others with positive numbers. And so I took that kind of full speed ahead and I went to a bunch of networking events, specifically there with the New York Mets, learning about what an inside sales role could be. Unfortunately, I did not get that dream job I had with the New York Mets at that current time. And um, after I graduated in that May in 2018 and decided to take a leap of faith and I jumped on this trip to Dublin, Ireland uh, with Living Sport. I was always excited to, to see the world and to see different cultures of, of sport and just meet new people. And on that trip, uh, like she said, I found out that Tim Seidler was with, he had experience within sales with the National Sales Center of Major League Soccer that they have in Minneapolis. So um, after speaking with him, kind of gaining the knowledge that he has from that and gaining the knowledge he has from the Philadelphia Union, I went full speed ahead um, to, to it. And um, in the middle of our trip in Dublin, I got a phone call or an email for an interview to be set up right when I got back. <laughs> so and it happened to be after talking with Tim and kind of understanding what it takes to be in sales, what the experience is going to be like, and really learning great, valuable lessons from him. I was able to take that to my interview and crush it and get an uh, opportunity to be in National Sales Center with Major League Soccer there. So, okay, you're in that experience. Was that your first time then really getting that sales training and sales experience? That was my first time I got to really hop in and dive into it. I've been fortunate enough to attend a couple of different workshops of networking events with the New York Mets there, kind of learning from Adam Vogel, who's been a really great uh, leader in the sports industry, especially in sales. And they really taught me how to create an IMI, how to listen to understand, not to reply. I took those skills in and transferred them into soccer. I had some experience in soccer in college when I was interning with New York Red Bulls with kind of event management role, running match presentation and stuff, and I knew that I wanted to find a way to get in sales, but finally made it there with the National Sales Center in Minneapolis. So it was a really unique opportunity to be in a role where we were selling for six markets at the same time. So we would call Philadelphia in the morning and then Vancouver in the afternoon. And it was just more of a call center where we're just blitzing as many calls as possible, not really diving into servicing or groups, opportunities, just trying to push different sales campaigns that we're working on with different teams. So it was really great to establish a, a tough work ethic where we were just strictly calling on the phone, making well over 150, if, if not 200 calls a day there. I was there for about three months. After that included, um, I actually got a phone call from Patrick Simon, who was the director of inside sales for the New York, was working with the New York Mets, and then he left the Mets to come to the Los Angeles Dodgers as director of inside sales. Now, there was a good word for me that was put in from the New York Mets when I interviewed there. I didn't end up getting it, but I left a really good impression at the people that were there that transferred over to Patrick, and he gave me an opportunity to interview out here in Los Angeles. And I couldn't say no, I was uh, just finishing up my my major league soccer uh, national sales center he called me out of the blue and was like hey i've seen that you know that you've been impressive with major league soccer there and, and have really gold to be in sales 
love to have you interview in LA and next thing I know it came out to LA not knowing a soul and got that job here in early January and been with the Dodgers for about 10 months with an inside sales role and then recently just transferred over to the XFL with the Los Angeles Wildcats. Wow, a lot of amazing things there. You talked about a little bit of networking, how mm-hmm. even though you didn't get hired at a position, you made an impression that led them to calling you back and offering you a position here with the, the Dodgers. So that's amazing. So that does happen. Mm-hmm. So you always, you know, we all hear no's in life. When you hear the no's, you still have to be polite. And that's still a connection you make, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to keep in touch with them and, and be respectful. And, you know, maybe down the line, just like you, Kenny, somebody would have that opportunity. And then you mentioned coming from the New York, Jersey area to L.A. Mm-hmm. Now, was it a definite thing you were going to do once you heard about it? Or was it something you really had to think about? I, I kind of pondered it a little bit. I was a little bit scared to just jump across the country like that, but having experiences like going to Dublin, not knowing anyone, and jumping out of my comfort zone, maybe more confident to do stuff like that, and did a very similar thing when I left New Jersey, just go to Minnesota for about three months, didn't know anyone there. So it was like I knew that I would be able to figure it out. I had a long conversation with my parents. They said, hey, uh, you're 22. The chances of you getting another call to go to Los Angeles for a job in California, not going to happen too often. So great, tremendously grateful to support there with my family and my parents. And I made the right decision and came out here on a whim and just by myself. It would help me make a career for myself here in Southern California. So after the Dodgers... You then went to the Los Angeles Wildcats, where you are right now, member of the XFL, and you are the ticket and experience manager. So now you're here in LA permanently. Yes. 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 So that is a big decision, to mm-hmm. stay on the West Coast permanently when you're an East Coast guy. Definitely. Um, it was a big decision. Towards the end of my inside sales career, there was an opportunity that came to us. I talked to my manager there, Patrick Simon, at the time, and he brought this opportunity with the XFL. He knew that I was someone that was high energy, was able to really excel in building relationships. And with the XFL, that's exactly what we have to do. So with the Dodgers, we were very fortunate to have a 60-year database or 70-year database of leads of people who went to Dodger games. Here, it's a whole different ball game where maybe people have known the XFL from our launch in 2001, but it's a lot of educating them what we're about, what is the experience going to be look, look like, and really finding leads almost on our own. So when I was with the Dodgers, didn't really didn't have to worry about getting leads. I could just ask my manager, hey, I'm running low here. Closed out a lot of no's, got some yeses, and I'm ready for a new batch. Here it's like, well, we got to start finding our own. And the way we've been doing that is going to different events at Staples Center, like Clipper Games, tabling, just doing lead generation. Like even today, I was at the USC game, UC, USC versus UCLA. I was just in the parking lot. We had a, a booth there, and we were part of the tailgate, and we were just lead generation for football fans. So we were going to where football fans go. And it was one of the most successful days for us to generate leads and just be a lot more, create some brand awareness for us. Kind of some differences where the Dodgers, where everyone, everyone knows about the Dodgers. But what are the XFL? Who are the LA Wildcats? So it's a different challenge, and it's, it's a great opportunity to have an impact in all areas of the business. So with the Dodgers, we're a little more centrified in focusing on new business and groups and servicing, similar to what Marcus is doing right now. And with the XFL, uh, we started in a room very similar to what we're in right now, about seven of us in one room. So I was with the marketing director, the PR director, the president of our of our team, the content director, all of that, all getting input from what I've learned in my experience with Major League Soccer, with the Dodgers. 
and using it in a way where we could learn from that and take those skills here and build our fan base with the XFL and the LA Wildcats. So yeah, it, it's been a, a very tough challenge to um, start from the, the bottom, but it's really awesome to be able to see my experience and my knowledge impact many different departments than just in ticket sales. It seems like it is a challenge, but it's really great opportunity that you get to help build this team. Mm -hmm. There's not many occasions where you get to do things like that. And to be a part of that and know that anywhere they go from here, you have a say in it. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. Yeah, it really is. Some things I like to say that I got to really learn from the Dodgers is something that Marcus has got to do right now is really face-to-face -face selling and inviting people here to the ballpark and using the stadium and using their emotions of relationship building with them, asking really great questions, undercovering their best memories here at Dodger Stadium, and really using that to your advantage and ways to um, use the stadium itself to, to really sell them. Here with the XFL, it's more of, we do a lot of cold calling, don't have the opportunity to do as much face-to-face, -face, but that's something that I still crave is really get that face-to-face -face interaction because that's the best way to really build relationships in my opinion. So let's dig into the XFL. It's back. It's so back. tell us all about it, the teams that are in, and then we'll go into your Wildcats. Certainly. So we got eight markets here. We got Los Angeles, Seattle. We have New York, Tampa Bay, DC. We also have Houston, Dallas, and St. Louis. So we got eight teams here. We're going to be launching in early February. It's going to be starting off with a 10-week season. We're going to be launching right after the Super Bowl ends. So it's really, really great to capture the momentum of the NFL season concluding and hitting people more spring football. Mm -hmm. So spring because football. Because we want our football. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we've done some research there, and there's over 80 million football fans here in this country, and over 40 of them million fans uh, want to see more football. So, so we're going to be able to deliver here in the spring, and it's really excited to, to build this up again. I know a lot of fans remember the first go-around with more of a WWE-style promotion with some, with some football there. We kind of found that it wasn't the most sustainable way to build and continue a league. So with the XFL this time around, it's kind of the XFL 2.0. So we're learning from things we, we did in the XFL 1.0, and kind of putting a new spin on it, being a little more football-centric. So we have a commissioner, Oliver Luck, who's from the NFL. He had figureheaded NFL Europe there, so he really knows how to develop the game. And he really wants to address more ball. I mean, address um, the some of the dullness you can see in NFL games, like maybe unnecessary flags that tend to question, everyone's questioning in the stands, those TV timeouts, those call reviews that tend to dull out the game. We want to address that and make it more of a simpler game for fans to watch. And especially affordability is the most important thing for us. So in most markets, you can get tickets for as low as $24 here. And especially here in the LA market, our tickets are starting as low as 20 bucks a game. So it's definitely a really great opportunity to bring football back. And especially in LA, which we're going to be made in LA, a team that is born in LA, which is pretty rare. Teams in LA are transplants from other cities, so um, that's where we're going to be able to capture the, the LA people saying this is we're made in LA here. We want to know what the fans want to see here in the XFL and deliver on it. So XFL 1.0 didn't have an LA team. Is that right? We had the LA Extreme. Okay. That was, that was an LA team. It was actually the XFL champions as well. Oh, no so, way. In a way, uh, we could be the back-to-back -back champions so 20 then, years from. <laughs> what went into the name change then? Did all teams get new names? That's correct, yeah. So we the XFL totally rebranded. So each team has a different name. There were some different markets we had in early 2001, like the Las Vegas Outlaws. Right now, we don't have a Vegas team. We pretty much did a full rebrand of what the XFL is about. And where are you guys playing? What type of stadiums? 
we're going to be playing at our the LA Wildcats to play at the where the Galaxy play. It's called Dignity Health Sports Park over in Carson. A lot of teams are focusing on playing on smaller venues because we really want to capture the fan experience of really being intimate to the field and really close to the action. Some most yeah most teams are playing more at soccer venues or some at college uh, football venues. Really to really yeah really to capture the intimacy and really make everyone close together there versus having a, a large venue like for example we play at the Coliseum and maybe we don't sell uh, sell out 80,000 seats maybe we only sell 15,000 but the experience with a 15,000 seat in an 80,000 stadium is not the same with a 15,000 seat maybe a 20,000 stadium really want to capture the intimacy and bringing the fans together is uh, something that was important to us as we were deciding what venue to choose. So we got the XFL, NFL. Is there any connection between the two as far as player development or anything of that nature? There isn't like a specific, like official connection with the XFL and the NFL. Our goal with the XFL is definitely to complement the NFL. We're not trying to compete with them as our schedule is out of their season, but we are looking for a way for the XFL to bridge a gap for tremendous athletes that are still out there, who maybe just on the underline of the NFL career. So largely the player pool that we chose from are NFL practice squad players, players who just finished their Division One career or even Division Two career. And we're looking for opportunity to play football on a national broadcast level. So we're going to be broadcasted on ABC, Fox, and ESPN. So with multi-year TV contracts with them, definitely gives us more security. And with funding from Vince McMahon of over half a billion dollars, definitely gives us some security here to be a league, not just one year, but two years, three years, four years down the road. Um, you said you're going to be playing at the Dignity Health Sports Park. Obviously, the Galaxy play there. Are you guys going to be splitting the field? Obviously, the Galaxy play in the spring. Has that schedule been worked out yet? So our home games, we only have five home games. We're both playing on Sunday. Fortunately, we were able to schedule it where our games will not compete with when the Galaxy play. The Galaxy season just ended there. They do start, I believe, at the end of March. So we'll be kind of more towards three quarters away done for our season. So we won't really compete too well with, with the LA Galaxy there. So XFL, you love it. Other people should look into it. This is a really great opportunity for people to dive into the sport industry. Yeah, certainly. Um, it's very rare to be part of inaugural league and inaugural team here. It doesn't really happen too often. And XFL is a it's a league that is really looking to hire people who are motivated, people who really want to make an impact in not only one area of the business. And the big thing is really hammering on creativity. You got to be really creative here. I mean, we're trying to create fan experience packages that have been done before. Fortunately, I can learn from the Dodgers or like theme nights that we had, like first responders nights or teacher appreciation nights, military appreciation nights that other leagues use and put our own twist on it to be even more creative. So creativity is essential here for us, and that's how we're going to separate ourselves from other leagues. Now, your title has the word experience in it. It's Ticket and Experience Manager. Is that experience, the creativeness, part of that experience? In your yes, uh, a big part of the XFL is really we're going to learn from our fans and kind of seeing what they want to see in the XFL. So we'll often ask them every time I'm on a call or even in person, kind of see what their experience has been to go into sporty events, whether it could be in LA of Dodger games, Raider games in the past, or Staples Center games, or Rams games, anything they've been to in the, in the past, kind of learn from what their experience has been, what they like, what they dislike, and what are ways that we could accommodate things that they haven't been able to see before. Here with the XFL and the Wildcats, I really have to do a strong focus on that relationship building. 
So with that being said, when I approach a call, I really try to get to know a lot about the person I'm calling, get to know what their experience is being on the games, who they go with, where they like to sit, what kind of experience they like. Do they like to tailgate? Do they go with family or friends? Do they go with coworkers? And really dive deep into a little bit more of what they do, not only in sporting events. Get to know them, what they do for work, what kind of charitable organizations they are, because that gives you all opportunities to really learn about them and building that trust with them. Because in all, people are going to buy for people they like. So that's kind of what I really got to more focus on than with the Dodgers. Not to say that you weren't relationship building was important there, but it's it's the life and blood there that we got to really focus on and and find our, our skills relationship building with the LA Wildcats and the XFL. It's funny, and not that the XFL is by any means a small business, but compared to somebody like the Dodgers or the MLB or the NFL, it is. And being a small business owner myself, that has a pretty unique concept. Mm -hmm. You have to explain yourself a lot, right, yeah. in the beginning. So you have to introduce this product to mm -hmm. people that may not know much about it, exactly. which is probably a big difference. Definitely, yes. yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna ask you guys for your final piece of advice for young professionals looking to get into the sport industry or maybe just professionals who want to go to their next step. My last piece of advice is really to believe in yourself and go for it. You're never gonna be, if you wait to be ready, um, you're never really gonna be ready. So I just think you should just always just go for it and believe in yourselves because you always got it. My last piece of advice would be to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. It's a, definitely a great place to grow is being uncomfortable, moving into a role that you're not sure of, or um, a role that maybe you're scared of, you don't think you can do. Definitely you grow out of being uncomfortable and I think that's when you learn a lot about yourself and can really understand what you're capable of. Okay, podcasts, we're going to cut right here. That was part one of our Living Sports Giving episode. And in part two, we'll pick up with talks with the rest of our LA contingent, including Anna Adler, Operations Coordinator at Zog Sports Los Angeles, and Tina Schurmeister, Manager of Imbue Winter Guard. Happy Living Sports Giving, everyone. Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you haven't subscribed yet, please hit that subscribe button and share this podcast with your friends. Our goal at Living Sport is to help all young professionals succeed in the sport industry, especially through the Living Sport International Sport Business Program. This program provides students with an opportunity to experience the world through sport. This year, Living Sport will be visiting Dublin, Ireland, London, England, and Athens, Greece. If you're interested to learn more or to apply for a 2020 program, go to livingsport.com. Have a great day, guys.